You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this newest edition of the Renewed You podcast. I am your host, John Yule, and I have got my buddy, my friend, my partner in crime, Jeremy Griffin, is with us today. Hey, Jay. Hey. Hey, hey, it's Fat Albert. Hey, it's Fat Albert, man. That's how we started all. Hey, hey, hey. That's right. Bring it. But uh, it's great to have you with us today as we continue to progress on our journey towards mental health, spiritual health, and getting healthy physically. All things that we all need to do. So, in our discussion today, I've got a great young lady I want to introduce you to and uh, excited to hear her story today and for you to meet her. Her name is Kristen Quillen. How you doing, Kristen? I'm awesome. Oh, you're awesome. Wow. No she one is has, awesome. No one has started off with that kind of a of an adjective to describe themselves as awesome. She's got mm-hmm. it, man. Well, you know, it's you say that out loud, then you got to live up to that, right? Booyah. That's right. So that there you go. There's your first takeaway, everybody. Why don't you write the word awesome, I or the statement, I am awesome. Put it put it on your mirror every morning and say it out Get loud. Get a grease pencil, write it on the mirror. <laughs> That's right. Stare at it. Uh-huh. Also, you can add, uh, and doggone it, people love me. Doggone uh-huh. it, people like me. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Who was that? Stuart Smalley. That's it. Yeah. You weren't alive for SNL back in then, were you? Man. <laughs> Yeah, I was alive. You were alive? I was really? alive. Seriously? You don't look that old. Uh, <laughs> Dude, you look awesome. I'm just <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I am 44. We'll be 45 in a couple months. A couple months. And uh, feel every bit of 55, so it's perfect. That's why I'm on the show. I'm hoping to learn and grow. <laughs> Well, anyway, Kristen, thanks for being with us today. Uh, Why don't you just take a few moments and um, tell everybody a little bit about you, where you come from, and and, uh, just start the story off. Sure. Well, I'm a native Okie, born and raised here, small town, small town girl. Small town, which town? Kingfisher. I know Kingfisher very well. Yep. Grew up there, um, was involved in everything, played sports, student council. FFA, like I did all the things that were offered that I could, my parents could handle with the time of 24 hours in a day. <laughs> um, did that, went to school at Oklahoma State. Um, oh, I'm go so Pokes. Sorry. Go Pokes. Oh, come on. Boomer Sooner. Well, I, I did a little bit of both. <laughs> I, I went to Oklahoma State, got a degree in psychology with a minor in family relations and child development. Started out pre med. Mm, really? Thought I'd be a pediatrician. Mm. Love kids. Um, after freshman year science, I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> I'm going to do something different. Yeah. And then as I got into psychology, I realized, oh, I like, I mean, I like the social aspect of psychology. I like the counseling aspect. There were some deep things about psychology that I didn't feel comfortable with. So then um, I looked into my cousin um, was going to grad school for speech pathology. So I followed in her footsteps and got a master's in speech pathology. And I'd been doing that. I was doing that for maybe... I don't know, 17 years. Wow. I'm old. Wait, hold on. You don't look she old. She doesn't look yeah. old. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad I don't look old. Jeremy, Jeremy, she doesn't look as old as you. No, she doesn't no, look she old. Doesn't. And I'm a little bit older. Oh. I'm already 45. See? Oh, man. I'm saying. My kids are older, though, so boom. See, the only, <laughs> the only reason why someone like her would throw it out there is when you know you don't look 
the number. Because she just threw it right well, out there, she's, right? Yeah, but this I is what... the number. So for those who don't know, Kristen's also on our network, Stream Grace yes, Network. Yes, she is. She's got pivot points with Kristen Quillen. I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. But but this is the reason that I really enjoy who she is. She's authentic. She's yep. real. She don't she's gonna hide real. stuff about herself. Nope. Yeah. And we're going to talk about her like she's not here. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I, I might sometimes. You guys are painting this really perfect picture of me, and I am not perfect. That is our goal. No, okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, speech goal. pathology, though. Some people may not know what that what that is, so talk about that for a minute. A ton of people don't know what it is because the the word speech is in the title. You think They think that I just help people learn to talk, and I, I, do, I did everything from really the chest up, so breathing swallowing. I mean, I didn't do respiratory therapist stuff, but I did do breathing because it's involved in your speaking and everything. Um, It's involved in your swallowing. So disruptions or dysfunction of breathing, swallowing, obviously speech, um, and then on up to the brain. And that's really, I did a lot with cognitive therapy because I worked with older adults. And so anything that brought a disruption into their brain function, whether that was stroke or disease or accident or just sickness, um, and change the way they process, they reason, they think, they speak, all of those things, I would go in and rehab, which I love. So most of the rehab when you're dealing with speech pathology then is really going to be tied to rehabbing things in the brain, right? And that's yeah, going to have a yeah, lot to do with it. Right. My mom was on a podcast with me yesterday, my conversations podcast, because for Mother's Day. Which is a good podcast, by the way. Thanks. Um, it's related to what you just said, because we talked about... Uh, when I was little, I couldn't say my R's. Mm. <laughs> so Really? Yeah. So we worked on it. And I remember I was on 44th and Post when I finally said an R. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So you were Jimmy? I was Jelmy. Jelmy? Oh. I said Jelmy. <laughs> and and uh, she would say, say R. And I went, ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. It's it's the it's hardest weird. thing to rehab. It's the hardest. Is it? Mm-hmm, it's the hardest phoneme to correct, and it and it's and it can you can do it for a lot longer. Mm. So yeah. So why is it so hard to to rehab? You know, speech areas. Is it habit? Is it just the way that that we're used to hearing words? It's a combination, and and it's kind of individual specific. So they may have learned it incorrectly. They may have heard it incorrectly mm-hmm. so then they spoke it incorrectly it may be produced that way by someone in their environment even an adult that never had it corrected and so that's what they know um and you just like anything of the mind you have to relearn the mm-hmm. steps to the end you know the end result you have to relearn the steps in between that has got to be frustrating for people that are going through that process yeah i mean it's uh, I, when i worked with adults very frustrating. I had one of my favorite patients um, was an older gentleman and he had a stroke, a really massive stroke. And pre-stroke, he was the life of the party. He was the guy in the room talking. He was the guy. I mean, he's a grandfather, but he, he showed me one day videos that he had made on his phone. Like he was already tech, you know, savvy and mm-hmm. doing videos. And post-stroke, he couldn't say a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. He couldn't express himself and and get his even his basic wants and needs across Mm. so it was so when you work with someone like that it's not just the function it's all that emotional underneath stuff it's all that mental stuff that's wrapped up in it it's all the family interaction and and, I mean it's all of it which I love a lot of times I felt like um I'm a speech therapist slash counselor (laughs) but thank goodness I love that and I love encouraging people and speaking into 
areas of their life where there's, you know, untruth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you go to Oklahoma State. Yes. And um, got a degree, speech pathology, and then Well, what? I got my master's in speech pathology from OU, so I did a little bit of both. Oh, so, so you, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, well, that's okay. Hey, yeah. the higher degrees from the better I wasn't school, in so. Norman. Wow. <laughs> I was at the Health Sciences Center. Thank goodness. I don't know if I could have handled Norman. <laughs> my son, my oldest kid, is currently at OU in Norman, and he doesn't live there, but uh, goes back and forth. And yeah, it's it's a completely different world down in there. Yeah. So uh, you got your master's in that. And then what happened after you finished your uh, college career? What What was the next steps in your life? Well, I did. I mean, I, I worked as a speech pathologist, um, got married, had four kids. Okay, um, hold on. Stop. We got okay, we so always I stop at the marriage. Up. I misspoke. I had three children and adopted my fourth. I didn't okay. birth my fourth, um, but I have four children. So talk about uh, how you met your husband. Well, we met at OSU at Oklahoma State, um, the end of our sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've told this somewhere before, but what I met him, I was with a friend and he was with a friend and our friends knew each other. So they stopped to sort of talk to each other. And, um, I thought, Oh, he's cute. (laughs) Fireworks. So I was a little bit of the pursuer. I think he likes to tell people I stalked him. Oh, did you stalk him? No. If you look up the definition of stalk. <laughs> okay. Stop. If you have if to you look have to up the it, definition, you right. stalked him. Hey. You did. If you have to find the technicality <laughs> in a definition to give you an out, then you probably stalk somebody. Well, you know, he's an attorney. So later on, he went to, I have to <laughs> look up, go. I have to look up right. definitions often. Um, in fact, I just did that last night. Um, I just figured out the way he walked to his classes and I changed my path. She totally stalked him. No. You know what's awesome? So like you went to Oxford English Dictionary. Nope, I'm a stalker. Went to Merriam-Webster's. Nope, I'm a stalker. Went to like Urban Dictionary. I'm not a That's stalker. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I found out how, how he got from one place to another. I just another. came across the information and made right. an adjustment yeah. to my schedule. Okay. The path. So you started following him from one class to the next. That says a lot about me, doesn't it? Okay, I didn't follow him. I just passed him by. Oh, but that strategically. says a lot about me, doesn't it? I'll kind of take I'm not going to even judge that. Go there, make it happen. Yeah, yeah. that is true though. Yeah. I you're you're assertive in a non-aggressive way, which oh, I think is pretty go. awesome, yeah. honestly. Yeah. It's kind of like stalking. I mean, it is kind of like stalking. No, but here's the thing. So so here's what I really love, because in his mind, this is what's probably going on. Man, this has got to be God. This I see this girl God, right. every day as I walk past this intersection. There's no way our timing is that perfect. Right. God, I hear you. Yes, Hi. totally. <laughs> Hi, Kristen. Would you go out with me? <laughs> so you guys met it. Oh, I even asked him out first. Oh, my so, word. So we had, I was in a sorority, he was in a fraternity, and we had a girl, you know, sorority party where you ask your date. So, yeah, I asked him. There, there you go. Mm-hmm. She aggressive he wasn't sure about me for a long time though so we dated for about four well you know years. i mean girls that are assertive that are out there that are extrovert you know is he is is he an extrovert or is he more of an internal mm-hmm. He's person more of an internal person so true opposites still do attract so right, right. That, that probably was something he had to kind of work through mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. wow i'm not mm-hmm. used to this kind of a gig so oh yeah the first even while we were dating it was I talk loud. I talk so much. He would get together with my family and feel like we were Italians and we're not oh. because we're all talking. We're all talking over each other. We're telling two different stories and we're all following the stories mm. at the same time. It was sounds like my family. 
because I'm from a ministry background. And so like, there's so many preachers in my family that when we get together for family reunions or whatever, it literally is like mm-hmm. that. It's mm-hmm. the volume keeps increasing in the mm-hmm. room and we can't just talk to the person here. Mm-hmm. We're talking to the person way over there at the same time, you know, so two conversations ongoing and like, totally can, just bouncing back and right, forth. Right. Easy. See, it's, I call it talent. It's good. It's, I, no, it's good. I call it ADD. I don't, yeah. <laughs> it can be both. I, I don't play in those uh, circles very often. My my wife's side of the family, all of them are incredibly introverted. And so I remember her, uh, her mom and dad um, were meeting her brother's fiance or girlfriend or something for the first time. And she texted me and said, hey, mom and dad want to make sure that you can come to dinner tonight. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they're meeting somebody new and they need somebody to make sure the conversation continues. <laughs> That's awesome. So I just became this. So then I'm like, all right. So I show up. I'm like, so what do you do? (laughs) Just small talk Griffin over here, you know. I have never been insecure about conversation. Like I can have a conversation with a complete stranger um, and I'm going to leave with them feeling like I'm their friend. I mean, I just approach people that way. I think I can go in a room of however many people and I'm not scared at all to talk or speak or right. you know dive well, into you and i've known each other for what two months three months whatever it's been and i feel like we've been friends forever so awesome I that's mean, what i want from people i, I don't know if you feel, feel that, that way <laughs> but yes, i feel Jeremy. that way. and isn't it weird though to meet people that that's not their natural uh, way of approaching conversations like i have so many friends in my life that want me to introduce them to other people and i look at them and go no just mm-hmm. go meet this person mm-hmm. you know but it's just not how everybody is wired. Well, and let's lay on, let's put on the layer of current times. Right. Like I'm thinking of my children and them growing up right now. I'm trying to teach them the skill because it seems like it doesn't come naturally anymore. There's a lot, I grew up a lot different than they are. So mm-hmm. now we have social media. We have all the things they have to be careful of with that. And we have the fact that they don't have real conversation. Right. They have text with acronyms, with abbreviations. <laughs> right. With, you know, that you can't see the emotion and the feelings behind. So things are misunderstood and things are not communicated well. And so teaching that to my kids right now, I mean, it's, I, I really am working on that. It is a challenge. Right. Um, I know my son is in the process of getting some internships. He's having to get an internship. Uh, he's going to be an architect. And so he's going to the OU School of Architecture and all that jazz. And yet um, it, it, it is a challenge for him because he's never had to really apply for a job in person. So the whole mm-hmm. it in-person communication mm-hmm. is different when they're mm-hmm. used to everything being digital. Mm-hmm. And yet the real world still works on communication mm-hmm. and you've still got to be able to talk to people face to face. And I see that as a challenge for the generations mm-hmm. coming up mm-hmm. because they just don't. You know, recently my daughter, um, she's a junior and they, in her speech class, they did mock interviews. And I thought that's genius, mm-hmm. genius. Because that gives them such a good experience of um, thinking on their feet, speaking well, thinking through their thoughts. Um, one of the things I really value that I did as a kid now is I, would, I was a public speaking. I did have to learn a subject and memorize it and perform it and, you know, give it. And then people could fire questions at me. So I had to thoroughly research what I was talking about and be ready to intelligently give them a cohesive answer. And I mean, right. It's invaluable, really. Totally invaluable. Yeah. Uh, so you were you were in speech pathology for a while. You and you met your husband. You stalked your husband. Mm-hmm. He met you. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously met him before he met you. Um, there at, at OSU, you 
went to OU, you got your master's. Um, what did you do from that point on? I mean, did you do teaching? Did you, how did you get into the health area that you're in now? So I've always been interested in health and wellness, always. I was an athlete growing up. I did, you know, soccer, basketball, cheerleading. Um, and then when I went to college, I got certified as an aerobics instructor. I just love movement. I love exercise. Um, maybe I was addicted to the endorphins that, you know, mm-hmm. and I was always had a conscious effort to um, be in shape, have a certain, sh- I mean, I'm going to be honest, have a certain look or ha- I was always fighting maybe the thing that I thought was hard for me. Agreed. So I was always looking for things to stay active or be involved in or eat better or recipes or cooking. And I mean, it evolved, you know, as I got older, um, I think I started to look at not necessarily exercise different, but eating I did. Um, I, I kind of got on the clean eating ban- bandwagon when that became popular and what that all meant. And we had some, um, I remember my husband's uncle was diagnosed with cancer. We had two family members diagnosed with cancer. And so we, we started researching healthy, you know, mm-hmm. foods and things to avoid to try to decrease your risk of cancer. So then I got into the, you know, low sugar, clean eating, all the good things. Um, so it's evolved a little bit, um, but I've always been, um, I've always been interested in health and wellness. Well, you've got to jump on me there because I grew up in a ministry background and on top of that, charismatic Pentecostal kind of people. And so they all love potlucks and they love eating and, um, so there was always this weight issue, even in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me and my sister have always kind of struggled with that at times. Um, even though I played now, I didn't so much in high school because I played high school basketball mm-hmm. and I played small college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- when you were in that time frame, you know, you're eating carbs and it's not bothering you at all. Mm-hmm. And then you quit. And mm-hmm. then over time, you mm-hmm. know, you just, you don't, people don't realize how much you can you can pack on Mm -hmm. just by eating the same way you had always eaten, but Mm -hmm. you're not moving the same way, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it took me having a health crisis to finally get a hold of myself. Um, and I think there are some people that listen to this podcast that are kind of in that same boat that Mm -hmm. maybe they haven't had that big experience like I did, but they know, man, I got to change some things. I just don't really know how. Um, but I know for me growing up, there were things that I had heard, um, things I'd seen that I was always kind of worried, you know, am I going to get mm-hmm. big like this person mm-hmm. or whatever? Did you ever have to face anything, you know, pressure? Oh, sure. Sure. I, I think that was always in my mind. That was always something that um, I thought about a lot. And one of the reasons I love what I'm doing now, that what I coach now and how I coach and what I really try to speak into my clients is I've found such freedom in my mind. Mm-hmm. Because I found something that works and I found, it's kind of like they say, you don't know what you don't know. Well, I didn't really ever know what fat burn was. And so I was spinning my wheels trying to exercise hard and what I thought was eat right. And I was just doing a few things wrong. So my body was never in fat burn. So my body was never changing. So I was constantly frustrated and it was constantly, I was hyper-focused on it. And I think, you know, I I started being hyper-focused on all that even as a, a at a young age. You know, I can remember um, being probably, I was probably in middle school and someone told me I had thunder thighs 
<laughs> the fact that I still remember that says a lot, you know, that means it stayed with me. And so I've always been um, focused on, you know, that outward appearance or I just had to a desire to be how I wanted to be. Yeah. I think sometimes I tell my clients, it's not just about a number. It's not just about an appearance. If you desire to be different and you want change and you're not achieving that change, let's figure out how to make that possible. Right. Well, I, I think it's sad too. Um, so you said that was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really sad that even in that, at that time frame in that age bracket, that there's always this, there is already this reinforcement of physical appearance mm-hmm. and judging people by what we see with our eyes. Um, as if, especially for women, mm-hmm. it, it's like our entire culture holds you up to the Barbie, mm-hmm. you know? That's <laughs> and, true. You know, I mean, as a guy, I guess I never really understood it until I had girls, uh, kids, you know, that, that, that are girls and watching my girls, especially as in their teenage years, go through this and realize, wow, I'm not Barbie mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm made differently mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. what have you. I mean, what was that like for you? Is that, is that something you even see today in your, in your practice? Oh, absolutely. You know, when I had children, I decided some, some things that I was not going to do. And people may be like, okay, um, I was not going to talk about weight. I was not going to talk about the scale. My kids would never hear me say I'm fat or I need to lose weight. I don't like those terms because that's just puts you straight to a negative mindset and I am less than thought. Mm-hmm. So I, we never talk like that. And I, and I, I don't, I didn't let my kids play with Barbies. Oh, really? I know that's weird, but no? I didn't. I, it's funny that you brought that up because I thought I'm not going to let her have Barbies because mm-hmm. it's another thing that is like, you have to look like this. This is a perfect little family. This is your perfect little world. You have all the things, the house, the car, the clothes. Right. Um, we just didn't play with Barbies at our house. It's funny you brought that up. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. With my current, with my clients, um, they all have different things that we're kind of pressing into, but definitely mindset is overall the biggest challenge and the thing that I try to tap into the most, if they'll let me. Yeah, if they'll let you. Well, everybody's got to be willing to let people in. Right. You know, uh, for me, that was a big deal. I, I had to realize I couldn't change myself by myself. Right. I can get myself messed up by myself. But um, I know for me, the biggest deal, and he's going to be on, on our podcast here in a few weeks, um, uh, you know, for me, I had a reconnection with God, on, and I really began to understand him as the father. Uh, I carry his DNA. Wait he's, a minute. God's going to be on the podcast? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I began to understand him. God is always I'm on the so podcast. I'm so excited for God this. God is always here. But Jeremy's been silent. He, he's he's, like, he's always sitting there. He's waiting. I am, I, th- dude, my role is to just <laughs> say something stupid. He is. No. <laughs> But I had this reconnection with the father and began to really understand some things. Um, and one of those was that I just had this sense that I need to be willing to do something I've never done before if I'm really mm-hmm. going to make some changes that I need to make. And one of those was I had never really done personal training and it scared the dickens out of me. And so I literally was just I Googled personal training in my area of Oklahoma City. I called the first one that came up and um come to find out he knew my dad in some weird way and uh we've now been together for almost two years he's been training me and and through various stages and whatever and god has really used him 
to change my life and get mm-hmm. me really inspired on the physical side. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to have Eli on our on this podcast here in a few weeks. But one of the things that I had to learn was that for me, I had to change my self-image of myself. Mm-hmm. So many of us, I think, view what we see in the mirror as who we are. Mm-hmm. And I had to change my mental image of who I am before I ever saw the changes mm-hmm. in the mirror. Is that kind of similar to your experience? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can go straight to the talk of identity. And so even as a kid, I think, you know, I was given false identities. You're, you're overweight, you're fat, you're chubby, whatever was going through my head. I took that on and I wore that around for years and years. Um, and then all the other things that, you know, you figure out that's who they said you were. That's not accurate. Only one person only you know only God can tell you who you are Mm -hmm. and so until you stop like you said until you got to where I have to figure out my identity who I am you can't you can't walk in a false identity I mean you do but you're going to be totally different actions totally different results not where you're supposed to be not in your calling um I say this all the time I know there's grown adults I mean you were grown who had never asked the Lord who do you say I am? Exactly. Yeah. It is. It's incredibly important. I love that you said that because identity, uh, if you see what Jesus did and God the Father did, I mean, with Abraham, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. called Peter Simon. He called him Peter mm-hmm. or the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, so the identities are, it's it's like the Father saying, man, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Forget who you think that you are, right? Here's who you are. And he's done this with all of us. He's, the scripture teaches us that he calls us each by name. And I think we think in our mind, he calls, like he calls me Jeremy. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. He calls me by my name. Mm-hmm. And he gives you a new name. He gives new me name. a new name. Mm-hmm. And I think what's so important, and I've talked to this, uh, like with pastors, um, it's standard tradition to honor the man in charge by referring to him as pastor, mm-hmm. right? And in my role in church, I've often been referred to as pastor. And every time I do, I tell someone, I say, hey, please just call me Jeremy. I do the same. And you do the same. And the reason that I do it, and it's probably the same reason, is that Jeremy is, the the more you know who I am, the more Jeremy means something. Right. Right. So if you just meet me and I say, hey, my name is Jeremy, that just means whatever you know me as at that moment. But as time goes on and you get to know me, that that is so much more defined that when you say Jeremy or my full name, Jeremy Griffin, man, that means a broad thing to a lot of people. It's very detailed and, and, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, it's very detailed, expansive. And, and I think that that's so important that we understand truly who we are and that we can't get that from any other source. We can only get that from God. Every other version of that is just false and will lead us down folly pathway of folly. Well, I think I agree with you. Um, as a pastor, I don't even, you know this, because yeah. we work together in a church and in every other area right now. But um, <laughs> So sick of you, dude. Dude, I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, pastor is a function. Right. It's not who I am. Right. And most people identify themselves by what they do. Mm-hmm. And they don't really know who they are, mm-hmm. you know, um, when or what you th- they've achieved or they've identified themselves mm-hmm. by what they've achieved. You know, when it's some- the Dr. Strange problem on Marvel. I know yeah. surely people watch Marvel sure. movies, right? Dr. Strange, he, he gets a hand injury and he can't do his surgery anymore. And he's just screaming about his identity. Right. I, who am I if I'm not a surgeon? Mm-hmm. Right. Dude, <laughs> you're a child of God. <laughs> what would you rather be known as a surgeon, mm-hmm. a surgeon or mm-hmm. a child of God? Come on. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm going to toss it back to Chris in a minute, but I think this is really important where we're going. So let's dig into identity for a moment because we haven't touched that at all, really. You know, I'm going to talk about on this podcast in June. I know you are, but (laughs) here's the deal: for some, when I went through uh, the dark, what I call the dark ages for me, the dark age of my life, I did. I was defined by statements like "I'm fat," Mm -hmm. "I'm unhealthy," uh, "I am this," "I am that," and so one of the things that I had to do was start changing that statement to the point Mm -hmm. that and luckily I have a trainer who is a a Christian and uh, for me that's really helped but we got to where you know when I would take my breaks or whatever I would look in the mirror and go um, I'm fit not flabby I'm strong not weak and I began to when we would do the hard sets you know I'd be my exhale was thank you God for my body I had to start changing the way I thought about myself um, and start appreciating what I have instead of constantly degrading myself based on what I see. Um, and I think that a lot of us need to really grab into that idea of we get to frame our identity. What if, what if instead of just going to God and saying, God, who am I? What if God looks back at us and says, tell yourself who you are. Mm-hmm. Death and life is in your tongue. What are you speaking to yourself? Mm-hmm. What are you speaking into your mm-hmm. mind? How about Absolutely. this one? Jesus said to Peter, who do you say who do you I say am? I am? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus is is saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, who do you say that I am?" Mm-hmm. I, man, that's huge. It, it is, is huge. It is, and and that's why we we've got to learn to talk things out loud, not just in our mouth or in our minds, but speak things out so that we hear them in our ears. And that's how we be, one way we can begin to reprogram reprogram our mind. Has any of this at all been a part of your journey? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. More so lately. But, you know, the Lord showed me that all along I was walking this journey and picking up bits and pieces that he's now pushing together. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I, why did I just, this just popped in my head. I don't know, a mud pie. You just sit there and you like gather all the pieces until you make this big mound. And so my whole journey has been little bits and pieces that now he's having me use as tools, whether it was the cognitive therapy. And I mean, I've studied the brain. I worked with patients to teach them how to change the pathways in their brain. There was a pathway that they previously used. It would not function. The, the matter was dead. But so we had to retrain their brains to use a different path to get a desired outcome. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with you know, your motivation or your habits or your actions, you have to take what's not working for you and where, where you are technically failing. I don't like the word failing, but you're not getting the outcome you want, the desired outcome. And you have to change the way you're going to get to that outcome. You just have to change it. You can't keep doing the same stuff you you've been doing and have a different outcome. Yeah. So, and that's hard because there's so much in that one spot. It's, a, it's what you know. It's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so you have to figure out what do I not know? Like you said, I needed help. Mm-hmm. And I have to change. I have to do something that's uncomfortable to produce change. Right. And a lot of times we, we, we're not willing to do the uncomfortable things. No, we're not. And I think when the pain of staying the same yep, is, yep. Gr- is, is uh, less than the pain of change is when you're going to make the change. But for me, you just get into a rut. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, it took me having that, you know, sentence that said, mm-hmm. Hey dude, you got to really make some changes mm-hmm. before I really got a hold of it. Um, I know you're all in, you'd already said you're into clean eating. Okay. Um, so let me give you a little tidbit, everybody. If you've never thought about this, everything you eat cycles through your brain. You can literally eat foods that will kill brain cells, 
or reinvigorate brain cells. What you eat is really that important. Once it hits the bloodstream, everything flows into your brain and into the rest of your body. So what we put in literally is is important to changing the outcome of what we're going to see in our body. So when you talk about clean eating, what does that mean for you? What do you mean by that statement? Um, whole foods, real protein, real um, complex carbs, not simple, less sugars. Sugars are, I mean, sugars are the enemy for your they brain are. function, for your body. They feed cancer cells. And what I realize that people don't understand, if you've never been someone who looks and sees, how much sugar does this have? You just, it's kind of, again, you don't know what you don't know because you didn't really take an interest in to find out. But people will think think they're eating healthy and they're not because it's right. hidden. There's sugar hidden in everything. You can be grabbing a yogurt and think, I'm, I ate a yogurt today. And I'll tell them, look at the back of that exactly. package. And it's full of sugar. Or they go and get a great big smoothie. If you ate out today, you didn't eat healthy. <laughs> That's kind of... <laughs> Unless the sh- you eat a salad with no, little to no dressing no, at all. Even then, I swear, there's no <laughs> way. You go eat a McDonald's salad dry, <laughs> that lettuce has tons of sugar in it. I guarantee you. <laughs> there's no way. I'm just saying there's no way. There's no way you can, I mean, you've got to make a, a just an absolute decision. I'm going to, you would be better off eating the packaging. <laughs> there's no sugar in that packaging. There's no That's sugar. funny. I do tell clients when you're eating out, because we all eat out, we all have a life, we all fellowship and do social things. I tell them, go for the protein and go for the vegetables. Exactly. Yeah. And then on top of that, learn what vegetables are the best. Yeah, no, the, there no is mashed potatoes and corn. Yeah, there is a hierarchy, <laughs> right. even of vegetables. So yeah. if you want to get serious and you want to fuel your body, I'm constantly as a health coach talking about don't eat because you, out of emotion, eat to fuel your body. Because mm-hmm. okay. that's what its purpose is. Let, let's talk about that for a few minutes. I'm getting, um, so you guys make me hungry. No, just hang on, dude. I'm not going to make you not hungry. Oh, here's, here's a few Thanks. phrases that I'm a, as a minister, I work on phrases. So things that I can remember, I think it's part of my ADD. I got to break things down into things that are memorable to me. Mm -hmm. So when I started changing the way I ate and started learning, um, one of the phrases that I've really bought into is if it's light or white, it's not right. Key example. People think that a big white russet potato is good compared to a sweet potato. Love sweet potatoes. But the sweet potato is much more of a complex carb, whereas the white potato, your body converts to sugar. Exactly. The second you swallow it, it's sugar. And so- That's why we like carbs. Mm -hmm. But we are addicted as an American culture to carbs. Yeah. So bringing it back to the brain, I love this. They did brain scans of people who, they compared brain scans of people who were consuming tons amount of sugar, and then people who were heroin addicts. Same thing. Do you know that they looked the same? Yeah. I have heard that. that. Yes, ma'am. That fascinates me. It totally fascinates me. It lights up the same part of your brain like you're doing drugs. Therefore, you become addicted and you have those addictive behaviors, those addictive patterns, those addictive cycles with sugar the same as you do with a drug. Let me ask you a question about this. So what about, how does artificial sweetener play into this if it's a mental thing? You mean like expand? Well, okay. So I had a personal trainer, believe it or not, for a period of time in my life. <laughs> and uh, he had said, you know, we're cutting out sugars and st- adjusting the diets and stuff. But he said, uh, sweet and low was fine. I could do sweet and low as much as I wanted. And then I've heard for people like on the diabetic range that it fire, it causes the same problems as sugar. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking what you guys think. 
I'll, and if there's anything definitive. I'll defer to you first if you want to give an answer. There you go. Okay, well, I can... the right one. Well, I can... <laughs> this is just my opinion. I'm not a doctor. This is just my experience. Good anything, disclaimer, by the way. Anything chemical that's not natural is not mm-hmm. designed to run in my body. Okay, mm-hmm. quick question. Isn't uh, everything natural? No. Not everything is natural. I mean, at its basis form, it came from planet Earth. But not if it's chemically engineered. Mm-mm. Okay. So, but, for example, but, let's, okay, let's but talk to about... To make the point about Sweet and Low, so this this particular individual, and I'm not going to say his name, although I will say he has a ridiculous level of credential, okay? Yeah. Um, but he was talking about you can go to a health food store and buy the two chemicals that are in Sweet and Low as separate pieces, and he said the only difference is you're putting them together. And he said they're in a health food store, and, they're, and there's mm-hmm. no problems with it, but you put them together, that's how you get Sweet and Low. I don't know. I can tell you this, though. There are better alternatives than the colorful packets. Mm-hmm. Like, for example... They don't taste better. For example, <laughs> um, the one that... Um, I've never been a sweet tea drinker, so yeah. sugar really was... It was a problem for me, but it was more in the food that I ate yeah. than it was what I consumed um, as far as liquids. So I never really... I do not like sweet tea, but yet I did... I was addicted to Sonic 44 ounce Coca-Cola's, you know, Mm -hmm. and so that had to change in my life. That was probably that uh, area. But then I loved white bread. Again, turns to sugar. Um, Your body converts it to uh, insulin and glucose or affects your glucose. Um, And uh, white bread was a big deal for me and chocolate. So those were areas and white potatoes. That's why I know about those. But I do love lemonade. And so when I was... Starting my health journey, um, I just love lemonade in the summers, and my coach suggested that I try this stuff called Sweet Drops, which is liquid stevia, which is all natural, Mm -hmm. um, and four drops was like two or three teaspoons of sugar, tasted exactly the same. Buddy, our entire family now uses Sweet Drops, but it's allowed us to get rid of all the other fake replacements. Mm -hmm. And you're using something that is completely 100% all natural. But even in those, you got to be careful the source that it comes from. But the more natural stuff that I can put in the body that God designed it to process, you know, the better off we're going to be is what I'm saying. Kristen, can you please allow me to have sweet and low? Go ahead. You want me to say yes, you can have sweet and low? Well, I'm hoping <laughs> that you say I can you have can sweet You can have whatever you want, Jeremy. It's your body. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't like sweet and low. I don't like lot anything don't. about it. I don't like the taste. If it has a weird aftertaste, then to me, it's not natural. I don't get the weird aftertaste. That's where I hear that a lot from people, Mm. but I never noticed that. Mm. And I'm an aftertaste guy. My wife makes fun of me because I'll eat something and I do this and I'll try to make it happen on the mic, but I'll go, I don't know if it comes through. Anyway, (laughs) I just kind of, I retaste it again. It goes through my whole palate and, and that's how I can tell you if I like it. Like if it's a steak or something, I chew it and you know, I'm a great wine tester. Like (laughs) totally just, that's very oaky, you know, whatever. But. Um, I never noticed it was sweet and low. I'm like, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's the extent of it. Oh. But 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 here's the deal, because I bought uh, for my coffees every morning. Uh-huh. I, I, I've got my little pre-measured packets of uh, Italian sweet cream creamer, Yeah, which I know is not good, but it's really, it's really good. good. <laughs> <laughs> and then sweet and lows. And I just finished off like the last big box of sweet and lows. So if, if I'm going to make a change... My OCD says this is when you make a change. I think you need to try the stevia. Okay. But you know, again, it's everything. I tell my clients, it's everything in moderation. moderation. Yeah. So even if you dumb. find something that you think this is a substitute, <laughs> it's still, you need it in moderation. Like when I yeah. put clients on a program, I don't just turn them loose and say, 
eat all the protein, eat all the carbs, mm-hmm. eat all, you know, I have certain specific amounts in their daily boundaries mm-hmm. because that's how they begin to really tight. They start really tight with really tight boundaries. And I teach them the boundaries because if they're needing my help or wanting my help or wanting change, they don't have the brown boundaries. Right. So I put them in a specific boundary. And so it puts their body in fat burn, mm-hmm. which you're in right. fat burn when your insulin is consistent and it's not spiking up and down, spiking up and down. That's what causes you to burn fat cells. Um, and the then, consistency, and not the, the spiking, yes, no, which is why keto spiking. works so well, right? I mean, that's part of the reason they're burning fat cells is because if they're doing true keto, their insulin is totally regulated. Right. I think there's a healthy keto yeah. and I think there's, there's an, an unhealthy. unhealthy keto. The unhealthy keto is called Atkins, right? The unhealthy keto is I'm going to eat all the fat I want. I'm going to yeah. eat all the cheese I want. I'm going to eat bacon. I'm going to eat is pork rinds. Because so, I mean, really there. the key for keto is keeping your carbs uh, under under like 25 or 30 grams a day, which is, is very hard to do unless you're eating whole foods. Um, and by keeping those carbs down, that keeps your insulin insulin from spiking correct right and and so because your carbs it's enough for your body to run on yeah but then as you add your workouts and stuff it's got to go to the next source right which Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. which is what made me this why i exercised in the morning and i say it in the past tense because i've fallen off the wagon but the the main thing was i was eating at a calorie deficit and here's the weird thing i found myself because people are like you know i lost 70 pounds and they're like how did you do that and i said man it was painfully easy actually mm-hmm. i had limited myself to when i started it was 2200 calories a day based on what i was burning which was about just living life i was burning almost 3000 calories at 300 pounds you just walking around when i started working out you know i just kept watching that and i kept lowering it so i got down to where 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 it got hard was when i had 1850 calories a day that was like my max and what I found, though, is when you're limiting your calorie intake and you're looking at them, it pretty much wipes out the crappy food because they have so many calories. <laughs> so you you don't want to waste your calories on a piece of bread. <laughs> you're like, that's right. 400 calories. I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And so I think that's, you know, when I, when I was doing that and then in the morning and then keeping my heart rate low, you know, I think so many people exercise mm-hmm. at that higher heart rate mm-hmm. and they end up going doing cardio and their heart mm-hmm. gets real healthy. <laughs> but they're not burning fat and you can actually do both mm-hmm. if you get in there. So th- that was a, the thing for me. And, and uh, the worst part for me is I know it goes back to mindset. And I think this is why it's so important. I, I remember telling somebody, I said, well, I don't think I'll ever be heavy again. I mean, I know it's, it's easy. I, mean, I spent the year just doing this thing and then just kind of slid off of the habit. And now it's like, man, I, every day I'm like, I'm going to get on the elliptical again this morning. And then I woke up this morning. I'm like, no, not today. <laughs> totally. So you take one part and do one thing. Right. Instead of feeling like I have to do all the things right. Yeah. That's overwhelming. It's, um, it's my have OCD. You guys it's heard, have you guys read Win the Day? Yes. By Mark Battison? Fantastic I, I book. love that thought though. Take one thing. When I tell my clients when they're having a hard time, don't think about your end goal of 30 plus pounds. Right. Think about today. Can I do this for one day? Heck yeah, you can. Yeah. And then tomorrow, ask yourself the same thing. Can I do this for one day? And so then if for some reason when you're asking yourself that and in that one day you don't hit the mark, let's go there. Why? Right. What What's tripped you up that you couldn't do it for one day? What I love about that mentality, 
is it ties into another one I had to change in my my life. And Jeremy and I have talked about this, though not on a podcast. Um, I have removed the word failure from my lexicon. I don't believe, I think that's a wrong concept. I like the word miss much better. Mm -hmm. Okay, I missed the mark today, but I'm not a failure. I didn't fail at that. Failing is so final and finite. Mm -hmm. But man, if you miss, great. You step up and you take another swing mm-hmm. at whatever that goal is, mm-hmm. whether it's the elliptical or or whether it's eating better or making, you know, a better choice. Um, you know, I love the idea of starting with one thing because I think some people, they try to change everything in their life all at once and then they get overloaded mm-hmm. and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and they're not able to really make anything mm-hmm. stick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the person who shows up at the gym and hasn't been there forever and they lift the heaviest weights, they do all the things. And then guess what? For the next yeah. three or four days, they cannot move. Right. So if they had just done moderate and low impact and low heart rate, they would have been doing that every day. But but when they kill it and kill themselves, mm-hmm. then they have to sit out the next few days. And then it's this weird cycle of I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to do nothing. So again, it's consistency and moderation. Those are great words. And I like, you know, we could tie back the word failure into, I think when you tell yourself you failed, and I come across this a lot when people, our potential clients are thinking, should I partner up with you? Should I try one more thing? I've failed so many times. That's that's coming out of their mouth. That's mm-hmm. in their head. Um, it's such a negative word it that really it, it gives them the idea of I'm a failure, so now we're talking about identity again, and they're carrying that, and that's not true. I mean, I tell my kids a lot if they say something out loud, I'm like, who said that? Who told you that? Mm-hmm. That's not true. That, that is exactly right. And so I like to do away with that that word completely. I like that because um, it just has such a negative, you know, heaviness. Heavy is right. Uh, tell people... Uh, Let's do a little segue here. Uh, Jeremy already mentioned that you are on our network, um, Mm -hmm. uh, Stream Grace Network. You have a podcast that is really good. I've listened to about four episodes um, just to kind of get a feel. And um, so it's called Pivot Points. Mm -hmm. Start with me. Why did you call it Pivot Points? Sure. Um, So I was doing my speech pathology thing when COVID hit. I happened to be working with kids in the school when that happened. And so when COVID hit, I was not working. I was at home because all the schools were closed. And I found this program for myself that I coach and I drug my mom on it too. I'm like, you're going to do it with me. Um, immediately when I started as a client, I have my own coach. You know, mm-hmm. I, I needed help because I knew, okay, I feel like I'm working my tail off and I'm not getting the result I want. In fact, I'm doing the opposite. What is happening? And I did not want to go the opposite direction I wanted to be in. So, of course, I decided to be a client before I decided to coach. Um, I wanted to see if it worked for me. And I had all those thoughts. I've tried so many things. This and this didn't work. This didn't work. But I knew, well, what I'm doing isn't working either. So, um, immediately, too, they were like, oh, you should coach. You should coach. You know, because I would talk out about how I loved fitness and how I loved recipes and food and nutrition and mindset and all that. And they're like, you sound like a coach. You should coach. And I was like, I got to wait and see if it works for me first. And when I, when I had such good success with it, I thought, oh yeah, everybody needs, I want to tell everybody about this. Mm-hmm. I just share it. If, it. if you're ready, you have to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are in a place where you're just ready to go, then I'll share the program and, and there you go. But um, 
So at that time, though, when I thought, okay, am I going to do this instead of speech pathology right now? I felt the Lord go, "Mm, I want you to pivot and I want you to become a coach. I'm going to build a platform for you to glorify me. And I was like, oh, brother, (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Like, I trust you. I'm going to go there, obviously. Um, But you know those times when he speaks in your life and you're like, you know, that you know, that you know. Yeah. You do. Um, That was one of those times. And I even told my husband, I was like, so our fourth child is adopted. And I knew, I knew that he was calling us to adopt. And I knew, like, in fact, when we got the call about her, I sat in the driveway by myself crying. And I was, I was happy, but I was crying because I said, Lord, I really did hear you. Like that solidified uh, your voice and that calling. And I was um, so excited that that I actually heard him correctly. So this was one of those times when I was like, okay, I hear you. And I didn't know what all the parts were. He kind of um, gave me the feeling that I'm supposed to do some writing, which I am dragging my feet a little on. Um, But I have lots of books in me. I already know some titles. Um, And then podcasting snuck into it a little down the road. Um, And then he just aligns things. It's he drops things in front of you. If you're walking in him saying, go this way, I'll give you what you need. It's not about you. Right. He drops it in front of you and everything's aligned. And that's how I found Stream Grace Network and Jeremy. And I mean, we didn't know each other and it just all fell into place. And so now I have a platform um, to talk about. I mean, I'm unapologetically going to talk about him and going to. You're going to talk about Jeremy? No, sorry. Oh. About the Lord. <laughs> I knew it was a capital H. Yeah, 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 yeah. About the Lord. And, you know, I, I love to encourage people who they need to pivot or they hear the Lord pulling them to a pivot and just all the parts of that and how you see that, recognize it, process it, step in it, walk through it, go with it on the other side, all the parts of that I love. I love when, before I'd listen to your podcast, um, of course, I saw the graphic as as we were getting ready to launch your podcast but the word pivot i was telling jeremy i was like okay i'm gonna listen to this lady's podcast first of all because the word pivot i'm a basketball player Mm -hmm. and i was the point guard so i was the pivot point Mm -hmm. of the offense where i was the one who was responsible for swinging us from one side to the next so that immediately caught my attention um and and i think i've always wanted to be that pivot point in other ways whether it's in ministry or in what we're doing now with podcasting or even in our health thing, it's really all about helping people change the direction of their life. That's the pivot. And I think if you will listen to this podcast, again, go to streamgrace.com and uh, click on the graphic there for pivot points. You can sign up and uh, subscribe to her podcast. You're going to find some tools that's going to help you make shifts in your life. Um, So between her podcast, my podcast, and Jeremy's podcast, man, we can really help you out. So uh, make sure and and be a part of Stream Grace uh, Network. But um, what is is one of the most important things? I'm going to give you a second to think about it. What is one of the most important things that you've added into your life that has helped you to make pivots at the right point in time? How would you answer that question? I don't try to do it by myself. I bring the Lord in on it every time. If I try to take ownership of it and I try to do it by myself, I'm not equipped to do that. I think when people realize that um, if you lean into him 
and you bring him into the conversation, bring him into the back and forth thinking and working it out. And, and that's how you, you change directions. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. Um, that's the biggest thing. Like if I tried to do it alone and you know, I talk about this all the time on my podcast, it doesn't have to be, you're thinking about a huge life changing pivot. It can be pivoting within your day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know people who one thing doesn't go their way and their whole day is ruined. It's in the dumps. It's wasted. And I'm like, just pivot. Just. Yeah. And so bringing him into all of those pivotal moments, um, He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. He's going to give you what you need. I think people look for the big changes and don't realize how important the small ones are. Uh, one of the words that God has given me is trajectory um, for some seasons that I'm in in my life where I have a tendency to think, okay, I'm not seeing what I wanted to see by this point. And the Lord just reminded me, hey, just don't you remember basic geometry? One degree change mm -hmm. carried out over an extended period of time mm -hmm. produces a huge change. Look at the trajectory of your life. What is one or two small changes you can make that if you'll consistently stick with it mm -hmm. will produce long results mm -hmm. uh, better for you than just trying mm -hmm. to bite it all off? That's mm -hmm. literally how life insurance companies operate. Trajectory. I mean, when they, when they look at a person's health and their habits, they sit there and they build your fees based on your trajectory, mm -hmm. right. which was my reason for getting motivated is mm -hmm. my went to have life insurance. I got a quote, came back and the guy's like, yeah, it's going to be three times what I told you. Say what? Yeah. And I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, so does that mean uh, I'm three times more likely to die by 65 or whatever? He said, no, it's not what it means. I went, no, it's kind of exactly what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, I guess that's, yeah, that's the risk part of it. And I said, all right, well, when can I retest? <laughs> that was all. I mean, I didn't have to go to a doctor. I mean, you know, I have my health stuff from them. And, and that's really the deal. They look at your trajectory. And because if I were, the crazy thing to me was if I was on medication for, you know, high blood sugar or high cholesterol or whatever, all the things that I had wrong, all of the, if pick a thing, I had it wrong. <laughs> if I was on medication, my rates would have been back down yeah. because I, my trajectory is, well, that will help prolong your life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that was the, the deal. My wife had similar problems and numbers theoretically, but she had a better trajectory. And so I adjusted, you know, my thinking to adjust my trajectory and they're like, Oh yeah, great. And after I got my new rates, I said, all right, I'm good. <laughs> Not <laughs> but exactly. It's a good lesson. Yeah. And you know, I love that you say change one thing. I think so many times people have this, if I didn't do it perfect, I'm going to give up or I'm going to quit. But guess what? Every day is a new day. That's right. why I love win the day. Every, his mercies are new every mm -hmm. day. So every day you can start over. And it's about, I tell my clients, it's about progress, not perfection. We're, you're never right. going to be perfect. We don't have that capability. Right. So it's about progress. The one thing, that change one thing over time. And then guess what? You got that one mastered. You're going to be changing two things. Mm. And then when those become, you know, so easy that you don't think about them, you're going to be changing three things. And it just snowballs to where then you're seeking out things to better yourself. You're right. If you keep using the word client. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, uh, Kristen, how would they do that? They, you and the show notes can list my I social will. media handles and they can private message me. I'd love to chat. So they can get a hold of you via Facebook or, or Instagram or mm -hmm. Instagram. Give you both. Mm -hmm. And, um, if they want to seek out your help, 
in their uh, life, there is a program that you use that mm-hmm. they can they can tie into. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Absolutely. I wish I'd found it years ago. Why? I have such, mine was the head game. Like I kind of mentioned that earlier, the head game of the guilt and the shame and the I have to work out, I need to work out, I should. All those words that are negative, I played that in my head every day. Or if I ate something that I knew wasn't healthy, then I beat myself up about it. So now I'm, I'm, I don't have that head game. I'm free of that. And wow, that changes everything. So how you think about yourself is what you're saying? Or just thoughts in your... The head game I had around food and exercise yeah. and my body and, and, and then bringing in identity and the things that I walked around with that were false and I didn't have to carry. I don't, I've discovered through this program and through getting healthy that I don't have that anymore. I don't carry that around with me. I, I wish I'd found it years ago. I think a lot, I think a lot of people don't realize how quickly they sabotage themselves with their negative thinking and the way that they approach things. Um, and you're right. If we can get a hold of um, thinking better, we can have better outcomes. So I encourage you, check out the details of this podcast where you can get in touch with Miss Kristen. And Kristen, I've enjoyed having you today. Thanks for being on our podcast and uh, look forward to partnering together and doing some stuff in the future. All right. Absolutely. Jeremy, Thank thanks for being here, man. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next time on the Renewed You podcast. Please check out our podcast at streamgrace.com. Until then, have a great day. And remember, the world deserves a renewed you.